Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. This week we're talking about recipes for romance. Not the kind you might see in a movie or on television, but the kind of love that's communicated by sharing a delicious meal and lingering at a table and really checking in with the person or people sitting across from you. Sonia and I share some of our favorite recipes that set the mood for connection, recipes that take a break from the everyday cooking routines and feel really special to share with your beloved, your besties, kids, or someone else that you care for. We also include a couple of menus that encourage teamwork in the kitchen, where collaboration and maybe even a little silliness are the goals for a fun night at home. And even if you're still a new cook and not entirely competent in your culinary skills, we're sharing a great approach to dinner that's really fun but store-bought, leaving more time to sit and relax and spend time with one another. Keep listening to hear more. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Are you feeling romantic? I have to say, I'm excited to talk about Valentine's Day because I think it's pretty distinct in the way that people approach Valentine's Day. There's like two camps. There are the people who go out for dinner and then the people who stay at home. And so I'm curious, are you- And then there's the people who every day is Valentine's Day. And I feel like this <laughs> this conversation is going to work for all different kinds of romantic evenings, even if it's a romantic evening with your best friend. With your best friends. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. By the way, I wish my Valentine's Day was also including you Me this too. year. But let's get into it because I am not a restaurant Valentine's Day person. I used to be a restaurant person mm-hmm. and I really did not like working- Valentine's Day, honestly, because mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of two tops and prefix <laughs> menu. It's hard for a yeah. kitchen it's to do that. It's hard for a kitchen. Yeah. It's stressful for a kitchen. Uh-huh. And um, and I think one of the things I loved about working in restaurants is the liveliness of a restaurant. And so that's always a night that's so much more subdued because it's like all these couples. I have never been a Valentine's Day restaurant person. Never, ever. And maybe because I worked in restaurants, I don't know why. The idea of crowded and God bless the restaurants and God bless the people who go to them on Valentine's Day because it helps their businesses during a very slow time of year. So I certainly am not encouraging everyone to stay home. However, that is my personal preference. So I'm so excited to talk to you about your approach to this because we seem to share the sentiment that let's just cook for our loved ones at home. And this was true even when I was single. I would have a girlfriend over or a best friend over and cook. Well, when I was was looking on the internet for some inspiration for this conversation to sort of get my brain flowing with ideas ideas. I came across this Bon Appetit article. There were many examples in it, tons of recipes. And I didn't read what they first wrote. I just started looking at the recipes. And what I noticed was this really huge variety of all these different kind of dishes. There were fish dishes and chicken dishes and steak and vegan. And I was like, I don't understand. And then I scrolled back up to the top. And what they offered was, if you can't get a reservation, make a restaurant for Valentine's Day at your home. And so the idea of thinking, oh, well, we're not going to go out tonight. We're going to have a restaurant dinner at home. And what restaurant would we like to eat at? That's what we're going to cook. I was like, that's a brilliant way to think about menu planning. Well, yeah. And it's funny because that sort of was my thinking and talking to you. I was already in the headspace of when I make romantic dinners, whether it's for Valentine's or not, I kind of invoke restaurants in each of my ideas. But I just want to preface it with, I have two different approaches in this category. And I think both are valid. There's the recreation of a restaurant experience at home where you go all out on a dish like you yeah. guys you make something real 
nice. Then there's the approach of you find the restaurantiest thing that takes the least amount of effort <laughs> because you don't totally. want to be in the kitchen all day. You just want to enjoy the company of the romantic person you're with. Tell so, me what came to mind first for you. That was not the only article I read, but one of the themes that kind of kept coming up in all of this, steak and chocolate. So since we're talking about dinner, the steak idea seemed to be very universal. And there was one that came up a lot, which was Beef Wellington, which oh, if you God. remember, I had a disastrous catering experience with Beef Wellington. So every time I saw it, I was like, I'm not going to make it. By that. the way, also P.S., besides the fact that it's like the fussiest thing in the world to me. So fussy. Like, it is not my idea of a romantic dinner. There's nothing sexy about a steak wrapped in some like puff pastry. So with I the just- mushroom, sell, you know, like that mushroom pasty no, stuff around no. it. And then no. I mean, also- no shade to people who like Beef no, Wellington. No. It's just, it does not scream romantic. That was one that came up. And then these sort of steakhouse ideas came up a lot too, which we just did the steakhouse at home episode, which if that's calling to you, like we have a whole episode about how to make a steakhouse dinner at home, which is a really fun idea. But I think for me, this is also the time of year that I really love to make short ribs. And so one of the things I love to do when I would cater is I would make short ribs for my clients, but I would always cook a few extras for myself. And I love to make a short rib pasta. I think short ribs are very romantic. I think they're one of the more romantic cuts of meat that you can braise. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that. Wait, tell me why. I don't think brisket is romantic. I think it's homey. I think lamb is a little bit fancy and special. Yeah. Like, But a short rib, it's like such a special cut of meat. It's usually cut in little perfect rectangles or squares. And it's so unctuous and silky. It's rich. Yeah. I think you made a proper case for a short rib. And also like when you said it's not a brisket, it's like a brisket is meant for a group of people. Yeah. But a short rib is singular. Anyway, I would always raise a couple of extra short ribs for us. But what I love to do with short ribs is I basically love to make a butter cheese pasta mm. and put short ribs on top. What shape noodle? That's very important. Like a bucatini. Like, oh, a, like, like a, a long, like a lady a in long, the tramp noodle. A lady in the tramp kind of noodle. So like <laughs> a long fettuccine noodle or I love a bucatini because it's got that little bite in it too. You know, you sort of leave it al dente and sort of unwieldy. So it like requires you to draw out the eating of the bucatini noodles. And then you sort of have this rich meat. I sort of put it on top. Yeah. So that's interesting because I actually developed a recipe for that chef that I work with, Rich Rosendale, where, and I'll, I can link the recipe, where it's a kind of what you're talking about, but it's a tomato-y noodle with a piece of short rib on top. Oh, interesting. But I love a buttery noodle. But what's genius about this idea is short ribs always taste better a a day in advance, like if yes. they're made a day or two yes. in advance. So you could braise this on a weekend and then have it ready for Valentine's Day. And then you're just making some noodles and topping it with a short rib. And this is going to sound a lot fancier than it actually is. But when I would make short these short ribs at the holidays, like in December, one of the cheeses that I kind of came across at some point was pecorino papato, which is basically a pecorino cheese that has these black peppercorns in it. Oh, yeah. And I really loved it 
white pecorino is so salty and then it has this bite in it because of the black pepper and so I would shave the pecorino papato into these fennel salad fennel radicchio that kind of salad yeah and so again if I had made these short ribs for clients and then I was sort of eating this at home I would make noodles with butter and then a bunch of pecorino papato so it's like spicy and that pep peppercorn goes really well with a little bit of that short rib you oh, know it's, it's almost like, like a cacio e pepe cheat because you're yes, getting that like salty cheese yes yeah. and, and also the idea of like a steak a poivre which is steak with a peppercorn sauce like pepper cuts through the richness do you have a short rib recipe that's a go-to if you just tend to braise it just in aromatics and wine or aromatics I, and stock yeah i tend to yeah. braise it in aromatics and wine bunch of onions and then whatever like celery carrot all those things all married together in the oven for like six hours and then i let them cool in that and then i refrigerate them and and i do that days in advance but that's the brilliance of short rib you could do it a month in advance and put it in your freezer this is so smart also what you're describing is a dish that actually isn't too heavy yes it's rich and luxurious it's so filling but it's not so heavy that you don't want to cuddle up afterwards (laughs) like i think (laughs) you have to also think about this i don't think a valentine's day meal that makes you feel like you need to take a nap afterwards right is the way to go, in my opinion. It's comfort food. And, you know, food is love. Food is comfort. I'm definitely going to have to try that sometime. I actually also want to open with a beef dish, but a completely different direction. So what I was thinking about was what are some romantic experiences I've created with food or experienced with food in my (laughs) life. And I think making a really fancy burger at home is actually an amazing date night meal because the only thing you're really going to cook is the burger. And that's not that hard. In fact, a great burger just needs salt and pepper and good ground meat and then cooking it. You don't need to make a complicated mixture. But then because you have this very simple base, this is where you get to have all the playful fun. So you could caramelize some onions or saute some mushrooms or get a camembert or get a crazy chutney and mix that with some mayo or make like a buffalo sauce. Whatever like your jam is, getting green leaf lettuce or getting iceberg or getting arugula if that's the kind of direction you want to go in. And you could even customize it so that you have a bunch of different things laid out so that each person can craft their dream burger. And then you're just sort of sharing together, building burgers together once they're cooked. And I love just like a regular smash burger, like a beef smash burger, but you could make any burger. It could be vegetarian. It could be turkey. I mean, I think that this is so brilliant and so thoughtful for kind of both of these camps of, is it you and your significant other, or is it you and a bunch of your friends? You know, what I just described, this butter cheese pasta with short rib on top of it. That's kind of one of my ideals, but I don't know that my husband and my son are that super into that. So your burger idea is really great because it's a shared experience, but everyone gets to customize. And I love the customization idea because you're really bringing it. It's very inclusive. It's like everyone feels seen and loved and cared for on the day of love and care. So I have a friend and he started recently dating a new person and it's going very fast and very romantic. It's all whirlwind in romance. And he said to me, and this is a true story, he goes, you know, we went out to eat and I was like, ooh, the salmon looks good. And she said, oh, I hate salmon. And he goes, is that a deal breaker? Oh, <laughs> Literally, that's so funny. He was really concerned. I mean, he was sort of joking, but sort of not. He was concerned. He's like, is it a sign that I love salmon and she doesn't? But as you know very well, my husband does not like fish and I mm-hmm. love fish. We have found our way to navigate that difference. And so the thing about a burger night, you could even have different patties if you have a vegetarian and a meat eater because it's about the experience of having a burger and 
And I think the best part of food is condiments. I am a condiment queen. I love them. And so a burger night is like the perfect time for as many condiments as your fridge contains. But also (laughs) if you want to have a fry on the side, but you don't want to deep fry, in the past for a burger night, I'll make sweet potato wedge fries in the oven. This is so basic. It's almost, you know, there's almost nothing to talk about, but I do think it's fun, especially if you're not looking to have a super heavy meal. If you just want that side and to just cut wedges, put them in a really hot sheet pan at a high temperature, roast them on both sides, maybe crust them in Parmesan or spices, and then have the condiments out, homemade ranch, even just mayonnaise and ketchup oh or whatever that you like. so great. I really love that. And you mentioned fish. Yes. And I think one of the components of thinking about Valentine's Day is actually you're thinking about things that you don't necessarily make in your regular rotation. Like right. This is something we talked about. It. You're not going to make like the pasta dish that you make every Tuesday or it's you're not going to make it like taco Tuesday or whatever because you want it to feel a little extra special because it's not an ordinary day. It's Valentine's Day. Or so, even just a special date night. Like again, thinking about romantic nights. Right. Any romantic date night where you're cooking, you don't want it to be just the red sauce pasta you make every week. Exactly. So one of the ideas that kept coming up was fish and there were all these fish dishes and you know, there were some lobster dishes and some scallops. Those aren't really fish dishes that I cook at home. So those didn't really call to me. But one of the ones that popped up, and I think we've talked about this one before, is this really famous Nobu recipe for miso black cod. Do you you know that this is, we've talked about this before. It was one of my client's favorite things that I made. And I've also made it for special occasions for friends. Yes. It is such a winner of a dish. It's such a winner in every way. And probably one of the most important is that it is so delicious and surprisingly crazy easy. You know, black cod is such a buttery fish. It's so buttery and flaky. And what this Nobu recipe does is it like supercharges that. It's like miso, mirin, a little bit of sugar. You You make a marinade. Sake, miso, I think mirin as well. Yes. And sugar. Yeah, you boil it. You boil it and you make make a marinade. Yeah. There's no soy in it. So it's not runny. It's like this sort of thick marinade. And you put the fish in it for surprisingly like a couple days. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to let it sit, which also makes it this really brilliant make-ahead dish. And so black cod is an investment. Most fish is, I think, is like an investment dish. So it's like you go get yourself this beautiful piece of fish. You spend five minutes making this marinade. You put it in. And then what I would always serve it with is, you know, some steamed or roasted vegetables and some white rice. But it does this incredible thing where it just flakes perfectly. It's so buttery without being buttery. I don't know. It's such a great dish. Actually, in Hawaii, they call black cod butterfish because really? it is so buttery. And I think also for people who don't love fish, my husband, for one, he'll yeah. like that. He likes this dish. Yeah. It's, it's so, not fishy. It's not fishy. It's so miso-y and, and sweet and tangy. Can I tell you what I serve it with? What like do I have you serve? to serve it with? Yes. Tell me. I absolutely have to have a butter lettuce salad with a carrot ginger dressing. I've never done it that way. It's kind of like the restaurant salad, right? You know that carrot ginger. So like, again, if we're hearkening to creating a restaurant environment at home, what Mm. I love about serving this dish is I'll serve them on little cups too of lettuce. And then I'll have this, I like butter lettuce for the salad because it it, it is sort of like a restaurant lettuce, but you could use iceberg, you could use romaine. Also like put it on a cold plate. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that's that's a good tip. 
and then heat up your plates in the oven for the fish. So you have yes. a hot yes. a hot plate yes. for your fish and a cold plate for your salad. That is a restaurant tip. Totally. So, and the carrot ginger miso or you don't have to have miso dressing is so easy and you can make that days in advance. It lasts yeah. for like a week in the fridge and yeah. you just put carrots and ginger and lime juice and miso if you're using it and sometimes or you could use soy sauce and rice vinegar. I use a little maple syrup to sweeten it and then you just blend it in a blender like a yeah. regular blender. It doesn't even have to be a Vitamix. Well, what I also love about your suggestion is that if you're someone who doesn't have miso in your fridge and you've gone out to buy miso for this recipe, you can double use it because you're yes. using it in the and and you're you're bringing yourself this great dressing which you could use at any other time in the year. This is one that you eat all the time, I know. This is one of your faves. I know, but I haven't made it in a while. I think I have to I'm going to start making it again because it is such a good thing to have on hand. And so yeah, you make it for Valentine's Day and then you have a jar of it in your fridge for the yeah. week, but you also felt like you made fancy restaurant dressing that took 2 totally. minutes to make. And we'll link a recipe. I'm so glad you brought up fish because that was my second offering too. What? Well, sort of. uh, Shellfish (laughs) in this fish category. So I remember in my dating life, one of the dishes that I would bust out on a romantic dinner, not a Valentine's Day necessarily, but just any romantic dinner, is doing steamed mussels or clams and white wine, a white wine sauce. This is a dish you share with someone. Yeah. Back to Lady in the Tramp. This is a yes, dish where you have <laughs> Lady in the <laughs> Tramp. <laughs> I don't know why I keep talking about that. But you you could make buttery noodles too to put this on top of. And, but you could also just make a big heaping bowl. Again, it's an investment. You're splurging a little. But that big bowl and buttery wine sauce, and it is so easy to make. You might be like, I have never made this at home. It's so scary. It is so, so, so easy to make. It's throwing things in a pot, bringing it up to a simmer, throwing your, your clams or your mussels in, and then putting a lid on it until they open up. And then you throw out whatever ones don't open up. That's pretty much it. Okay, and then if you, I have to yeah. confess... I love mussels. I order them out in restaurants. I've never made them. And I've had so many people, including you, and telling me, oh, this is so easy to make. But there is something about it that I'm like, am I going to make mussels at home? I don't know. What is, what is your fear? I don't know what my fear is that I'm like I'm not going to cook them right or they're not going to like open. I'm here to dispel the mythology around it. All you need to do, and you could also have your fishmonger help you, but like be like, hey, can you clean these? It's not hard to clean them. You bring them home. You take off their little beards. They have little like hairy beards on the end. You just pull them off. A lot of people soak clams or mussels in salt water and that helps any grit escape. And if anything seems iffy, you throw that one out. So you always want to like pick up a little bit more than you think you need. Okay. Uh, And you can ask your fishmonger, how much do I need for two people for an entree? They will help you and they will give you different weights because it might also depend on like the size of the mussels or clams. And then throw them into literally a simmering pot of anything. And you could also make a red sauce for this if you wanted that way. And then you wait for them to open. And if don't worry if they're overcooked. They're not really going to overcook. They take seconds – or not seconds. They take a few minutes to make. They come together really quickly. And then if anyone – any of them are real – firmly uh, shut. Or if you're like kind of nervous, I say if you're nervous, throw that one out and focus on the ones that you're not nervous about. And then the key element is a good bread. So like a crusty bread, right? Yeah. Go to your favorite baker, get a great baguette, get a great loaf of bread, butter it up with the best butter you can buy, rub a piece of garlic on it if you want. Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. It's romantic. I mean, if you you don't want garlic because it's a romantic night, skip the garlic, just have the butter. It's so sweet. One of the recipes 
recipes, I think it was in this Bon Appetit article that they wrote, and it was like one of them was a chicken recipe, and it says this this recipe calls for a lot of garlic, which helps boost the flavor of this chicken or whatever. And you know what I thought to myself is it's fine if both of you are eating garlic, Correct. right? It's, yeah, if you're that's both garlicky, both eating garlic, it's fine. It nullifies right. the garlic. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, I have a third idea, and this is probably the one that I'm going to do because I have an eight year old, and he is going to be a part of, you know, this is going to be a family celebration of Valentine's Day. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, what would be fun to get all three of us in the kitchen making together? And what's what's one of the things that we've done before that's really fun? And so I think we're going to make pizza. Stop it. That's, that's really... A, that's what I do every year. That's actually no. what I do. Really? Yes, that Wait, is... this is what you've done, how come I've never been invited to your pizza Valentine's Day night? <laughs> It's a good question. You used I mean, to live in my town. Okay, to be fair, this is what I've been doing since I moved to Oregon, which is why I had other okay. examples before. But okay. what, in the past few years, I've been making heart-shaped pizzas, personal no. heart-shaped oh, that's pizzas. So cute. I didn't even think about shaping them in a heart, but that makes total sense. Real cute. Oh. Okay, wow. I want to hear all about what you're thinking for your pizza night. I'll probably make a dough or I'll buy the Trader Joe's dough. I like to make my own sauce, just you know, use some good tomatoes or whatever. And then everybody can kind of have their own pizza. Mac generally likes his to be cheese. James likes some kind of meat on it. I like some kind of vegetables. I'll come up with some mix of toppings for us. But what's fun is to get everyone in the kitchen. You know, we try to sit at the table and eat. But this is kind of like an eating and walking kind of night. Plop it down. You cut it. You're eating a piece, but you're still putting like another pizza in the oven and pulling that one out when it's ready. And it's so fun. Do you share each other's pizzas or is it like everyone really gets their own? I mean, everyone kind of makes their own, but once it goes onto the board and gets cut, everyone's eating it. It's sort of this shared platter that everybody just eats off of. I love this. I'm like you. Some years I make my own dough and some years I've bought pre-made dough from wherever, you know, yeah. either a grocery store or sometimes pizza shop sell them. I did years ago work on this pizza book. These guys wrote this pizza book and I was helping them edit it. And they have this great recipe where you put the dough in for a minimum of three days. Like it's a yeasted dough, but it kind of ferments in the fridge. So they actually advise, wow. they're like, the sweet spot to pizza dough is when it sat in the fridge for three days, which is actually why like a Trader Joe's pizza dough or a grocery store pizza is kind of good because yeah. it usually sat there for a few days and the dough continues to evolve and, and kind of in a way, sort of ferment. I don't know the exact food science behind this, but the texture changes. So if I have it within my wherewithal to do this ahead of time, I love that recipe. It's just a basic pizza dough recipe, but I have one other offering in the same vein. I discovered no need pizza dough last year. You know, no need bread. Yeah. Do you know about this? We talked about this in one of our other episodes, but I didn't know that there's like also a no need pizza dough. Yes. The goddess Deb Perlman of Spin Kitchen actually oh. has a great recipe on her blog for this exact I she, recipe. I hope she writes recipes for the rest of her life because we will continue eating well. I just, we will continue. I, love, I just love that there's just food people out in the world doing good work. I don't have to figure out all this stuff. Like she's already figured it out for me, which is so nice. Yeah. And actually the chef that I developed recipes for, he also had a recipe for this that I've used. And so this is what's so great about it. You can just literally throw flour and it can be whole wheat flour if you feel like that, water and yeast and salt 
in a bowl, you stir it with a spoon, and then you cover it. That's it. And leave it on your countertop until the next day. So you do it like the night before, and you do nothing. You don't need it. You don't do anything. And then the next day, you just form it into balls when you're ready, basically, to make pizzas. And it comes out great. It really works. I have made this, and I think it's better than even my homemade kneaded dough. Well, that sounds amazing. And can I just share one other thing that came to mind when you said three days, like pizza dough in three days? Last spring, we went to visit some friends in Texas, and I decided to cook this really fun meal for them, which is this this Chicago-style, tavern-style pizza recipe that Kenji Lopez-Alt developed. Yeah. And you you make this dough and you roll it out and then you let it sit out in the air so that it like dries out and it makes this crackery thin crust. There's not a ton of extra stuff that you have to do, but you can do it all ahead of time. And then you can have these pizza doughs laying out and then you just slide them into your oven. They cook really fast and they're crackery thin. Yeah. And that was one of your favorite recipes of the year, right? That was one of my favorite recipes of yeah. the year. Yeah. Of last year, we, we did an episode on our top three dishes and yours was one of these. That's right. I totally forgot that. Okay. So Sonia, do you have one more idea for a great Valentine's Day dinner at home? Yes. And my last idea involves no cooking. Okay. What? Sort of. Mostly no cooking. (laughs) More assembling. So I think that one of the best parts of restaurants and the best part of dinner are the appetizers and the desserts. Actually, do you remember My So-Called Life? Did you ever watch that show? Oh, of course I did. Okay, do you remember Claire Danes? Yeah, Claire Danes and Jared Leto. Sorry for the Gen Z audience who may not be familiar. It was an epic TV TV show in the 90s. And one of the characters, Rayanne Graff's mom, so Rayanne was kind of the bad girl in the school, her mom who was also kind of wild. She had this, in this whole episode, she's like, the everyone knows appetizers and desserts are the best. So that's all we eat here in this house. Like she only served appetizers and desserts. And that has stuck with me my whole life because I really relate. I often at a restaurant, I'm not interested in the entrees. Yeah. So I love the idea of curating basically an appetizers and desserts meal, whether it's like you're picking out a bunch of fancy charcuterie, bunch of fancy cheeses and great crackers and bread and amazing olives and the tin fish. And you have a whole spread of just little yummy bites. This is the truth. There's some great frozen appetizers out there. There's great there like, are. It's true. like spanakopita that you can buy and just reheat or little like empanadas or there's all kinds of little bites, little jalapeno poppers. I mean, just love the idea of everyone picking their favorite apps that are pre-made or even like a shrimp cocktail to go along with everything that you already buy the shrimp poached. They're already done. You buy some cocktail sauce. This You're is not brilliant. anything. This is a genius idea. And everyone gets their favorite and everyone gets little nibbles and you share it over drinks and you make a really good cocktail or really good mocktail or really good glass of something you yeah, love and you to put drink. it out on the table and everyone's just kind of hanging out and sharing and assembling little bites that they like yeah and then for dessert you go to the fanciest bakery or bakery counter you or buy the, the glossiest ice cream yeah you get the very you splurge on a jenny's ice cream or van lewin or you go to the little bakery counter and you get that beautiful glossy berry tart that you've always wanted whatever it is so that you're splurging 
something, but you're doing it at home and it feels really special and you don't have to have any of the labor. You're just yeah. enjoying the night. I love that idea, especially for a group. That's really fun. Or if Valentine's Day sort of falls in like a very busy time for you, but you still want to celebrate, that's a really great way to think about having a dinner at home, but not cooking any of it, just assembling it. Maybe you get out your fancy cake plate for that night or yeah. you get out, maybe you get out your china because you're not, you haven't really cooked any of that. You know, maybe it's time to like dust off the china. Yes. I don't know. You, you get know? your fanciest napkins. You get your fanciest yeah. place. You get out the champagne flutes, even if you're not drinking champagne, even if it's sparkling cider, you yeah. know, just something to make it feel, yes, extra romantic. And then you make sure to have some chocolate dipped strawberries with whipped cream. I feel like that's kind of an essential I think dessert for the spread. That's a perfect wrap up. I love that. Well, I am in the mood for all this. <laughs> totally. I was really sure that we were going to make pizza, but now there's all these great ideas. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll celebrate Valentine's Day for like a week. That I sounds think fun that's too. The, that's the answer. I think I'm going to make pizza, honestly. <laughs> it sounds so fun. I love that that's where both of our brains were going this time, oh, as usual. It's no big surprise. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.